In Silicon Valley, working nine to five is for the week. Startup founders celebrate never sleeping. Venture capitalists brag on Twitter about not taking a vacation for over 20 years. But while the tech industry may be getting all the attention for their extreme work ethic, workers across industries are feeling burnt out, overworked, and stressed. When did it become not only necessary, but a badge of honor to never stop working? Isn't technology supposed to help us get work done faster? This is Work in Progress. Keeping an American business alive, it's just not as easy anymore. I watch too much go wrong. There are not a lot of choices. Why would you brag about such a thing? Oh, I live a slaving life where I have to work 20 hours a day and like, I never take vacations. And like, what are you achieving? How is that the good life? There's opportunities here that yes. are untapped. You have to go get them. I'm just hoping that something will eventually crop up and get my life started. Welcome to LinkedIn's Work in Progress, a podcast about the future of the working world. I'm your host, Managing Editor Caroline Fairchild. And I'm LinkedIn Managing Editor Chip Cutter. I'm spending this year on the road talking to people about work and what it means to earn a living today. Chip, this is a topic that I've been waiting to dive into almost since we started this show. I feel like since I moved to San Francisco in 2015, this extreme work ethic of Silicon Valley with startup founders bragging about how many hours they spent in the office, VCs coming in for lunch but not eating because they're intermittent fasting, all of these trends have only gotten worse and worse and worse since I entered the tech world. But it really doesn't matter. You could be in the tech world or you could be doing something completely different. Some of these feelings are universal, that you're burned out, you're overworked, you're constantly thinking and responding to emails. We've probably heard of this, and I know I've been guilty of this. You sit in meetings all day, you answer emails all day, and then around six o'clock, you're like, oh, let me go do all the work I was supposed to do during the day. And this is just something I think that goes across the economy. I actually talked with Dave Davis. He works as a project manager for a healthcare company in Columbus, Ohio. He said that over his career, the days just seemed to stretch and stretch. Even though I was putting in 60 hours a week, I wouldn't say I was working 60 hours a week. I, I would submit to you that people that do 60 hours a week, again, they're probably back to only doing really productive work half of that time. Maybe if they're really rock stars, 60% of the time. But there's just a lot of overhead. So what Dave is saying there is that the workday might be longer. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're working longer. It's just that we're spending more of our time thinking and consumed by work. And this makes sense, right? When you think about most of us having this smartphone in our pocket that allows us to do work virtually from everywhere. So even if you're in the office or out of the office, it doesn't matter. You're working. And all of this really came to a head for me a couple months ago when a column came out in the New York Times written by Dan Lyons. He entitled it, Working 9 to 5 is for Losers. And Lyons did a great job of outlining basically the absurdity of the situation right now in tech when it comes to work. There are T-shirts being made with phrases like outgrind, outhustle, outwork everyone. I mean, this is something that you wear on your body. You're so proud of it. You want other people to see this. It's ridiculous. It is insane. But in this column, Lyons interviewed two co-founders who are completely bucking this trend. They are openly fighting against this idea that you need to work around the clock. Basecamp is a web app startup out of Chicago, and it's co-founded by Jason Fried and David Heinmeier Hansen. Fried and Hansen limit the number of hours their employees work. They tell them you can only work 40 hours a week. And in 2010, the two co-founders published Rework, a book basically denouncing this idea of being a workaholic. They're now working on another book called The Calm Company, which is slated to come out this year. 
David and Jason, welcome to Work in Progress. Thanks for having us on. I'm Jason, by the way. It's David, in case people don't know. It's great to be here. I actually want to start this conversation out with a confession. I slept eight hours last night, and I'm trying to get out of the office today before 5.30. And the reason I call that a confession is because I feel like when I started working in tech, that almost became a bad thing. You guys have a lot to say on this topic. But to start, I just want to hear your thoughts about when it became not okay to work a 40-hour week and when it became not okay to sleep eight hours a night. Well, it's never okay as far as I'm concerned. I don't know when it became this. I mean, maybe maybe it's decades. I don't know. It seems like a, a cultural thing, especially in Silicon Valley, that you just kind of do whatever it takes as long as it takes, pull all-nighters, the whole thing. That's sort of been something I think I feel like I've heard of since – the 80s or, or whatever, or even the early day, I guess the 80s or even earlier than that when, you know, Apple specifically was putting together the original Apple One and Apple Two. It's just like all-nighters, whatever it takes kind of thing. I get it. Fine. Whatever. It's not for me. I don't think it's healthy for most people. I think it's 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 actually pretty dangerous, and I think your performance suffers pretty, pretty quickly. And we've always sort of tried to maintain a, a very healthy, you know, roughly 40 hours a week. Or, you know, I actually like to think about it per day, more than a week. Just like eight hours is enough time to do great work. The other thing is you're not really working eight hours. So it's probably like four or five hours or, or less, really, because you're just doing other things. You're taking breaks, whatever. That's plenty of time to, do, to get great work done. You don't need to put in 10 or 12 or 13 hours a day. So I think it's more about the day, actually, and less about the week that, that I think is the, the better way to focus on this. I think what happened is that a lot of these stories of the early days of, say, Apple or Microsoft got mythologized in a way where they were removed from their context, where perhaps uh, the people who were working on those specific projects at those specific times, they somehow could make this happen for a certain amount of times. And then it got romanticized into, oh, this is actually a great way to work. If you want to build a success, this is how you're supposed to do it. And then it got cargo culted into thinking like, this is what high performers do. And it got part of that ethos that if you're a serious tech entrepreneur, this is how you're supposed to work. And you're not serious if you don't work this way. That it wasn't just a reflection of how some people worked. It became a prescription for how all people should work. And I think that that's just terrible, terrible and sad. And it's terrible and sad because for most people, most of the time, it just it doesn't even work. Right. And everything you're saying, I think, makes perfect sense to me. I see Chip nodding. This makes perfect sense to him. But this isn't just a mythology anymore. There are very prominent investors, startup founders who are still pushing this ethos, who are running companies and writing checks today. So, Jason, you say you get it. David, you say that this is a mythology, but this is happening today. I bet if we check Twitter right now, there'd be someone pushing this startup and grind, you know, lifestyle that we're all hearing. So why, given that what you guys are saying is very rational, do we still have people championing this type of lifestyle? I think misconceptions stick and habits stick and justifications stick. So if you happen to work at a company where you put in all this and you sacrifice all sorts of things, a lot of these uh, supposedly great tech heroes that we look up to, uh, Elon Musk or whatever, you look into what their family life or life outside of work looks like, it's not really that rosy of a picture. So I can certainly imagine that someone who's gone through that and have gone through all those sacrifices, they need to justify those sacrifices. So you have basically this entire generation who gave up on all sorts of things. Maybe they gave up their 20s or their 30s or these other consequences that I mentioned, they're not going to turn around and say like, oh, actually, I was totally wrong. Like that is a very hard thing to do. I'll add one more thing to that, which is 
I think it goes hand in hand with the general ethos of Silicon Valley, which is a temporary place. That a lot of these businesses that are being built that people are talking about working crazy hours, they're not going to be around in three years or four years or five years. They're not profitable businesses. They're not really being run well. They are either going to be acquired or die. And so if you know that what you're going to do is going to go away, you kind of don't have to think about a sustainable approach to it. You just kind of burn out because the whole thing's going to burn out anyway. So burn out with it. You'll just flame out together. We're trying to build a business. We've been in business for 18 years and we're trying to be around for 30 or 40 or whatever years. Like we can't sustain the business that long if we're going to not sleep, you know, if we're going to burn ourselves out. But I think it's so hard to shake this idea that a sustainable work practice can be something that's successful. I, when we hear from so many with a big following that the exact opposite is how they were successful. I spoke with Gary Vaynerchuk last year. I, I interviewed him uh, at an event and he kind of was bragging about just how insane his schedule was. Yesterday, I went from LA meetings to San Diego speech to Red Eye to Miami to New York to meetings late last night. So it's come up because of my last 24 hours on Snap, I think. I I really believe what I'm about to say, and this is hyperbolized to the moon. I truly think I'm the hardest working person on earth. I truly believe that. I just work 18 hours a day every day. Like I just do. So what would you say to someone like Gary and to people who follow him and think, okay, this is the path to riches, this is the path to success, and talk a little bit about how you work differently at your company. I mean, this is not how I'd work. It's so like, I, I love Gary. I've known Gary for years. I think Gary's great. I, th- I think that, that that's not good advice though for most people. Maybe there's exceptions. Maybe there are not. Maybe he could be far more efficient and he doesn't realize it. Maybe if he worked less, he'd get more done. I have no idea. I really don't know. And I, I can't really speak to, to his life other than the fact that I respect his ideas quite a bit, except for that one. <laughs> um, and we, we've talked about that uh, together about, about that. But there are a lot of people who are successful for a variety of reasons. And, and if you if you tie it back to it's because they work 18 hours a day, then I'd say, well, what about the other people who work 18 hours a day who don't make it or the other people who work 12 hours a day who don't make it? It's not the number of hours that you, you put in. Well, I think part of this story is that a lot of people who end up successful need some way to explain their success. And uh, somehow a socially acceptable way to explain why you ended up being a millionaire is to just say you worked harder than everyone else. That, well, anyone else could do this too if they just worked as hard as me. No way. I don't care who it is. They put in 18 hours a day. They're not going to be Gary. There's just, there's one Gary. And I think if... It's sort of this weird bragging, non-bragging thing where on the one hand, Gary's saying like, well, you could be just like me if you worked 18 hours a day. And as I say, bullshit. No, you couldn't. I just think that's that's wrong, right? Like we're not going to turn into these other people just because we mimic the number of hours that they work. Totally get what you're saying. But I want to understand more about how we get to a place where I'm in meetings with startup founders and they're bragging about the fact that they got eight hours of sleep last night or they're leaving the office at five today. I actually recently had a meeting with a founder who was afraid to admit to me that he gets nauseous when he's on his screen in cars because he thought that that would make me think that he's lazy and doesn't do work when he's on the go. So we're almost moving in an opposite direction. Another trend now in Silicon Valley is people aren't eating. I've had multiple lunches with people who are intermittent fasting, and that's seen as the next kind of phase in this. So guys, we're moving in the wrong direction. How do we write this course? Well, the thing that's interesting is that there's a lot of engineers in Silicon Valley, of course, and, and they're very rational. They tend to be rational. or They, they want to be you know, scientific about things. Just read the science. Read the science on this. You know, you don't sleep, bad things happen to you. Your, your, your performance goes down. You don't eat, things happen. Like there's, 
And also, it's so, so ridiculous. Like, eating is a waste of time. Is that what we've gotten to? That you can't eat, you have to eat, drink Soylent because you can't get up and go to the table and eat something for 30 minutes? What the hell are you doing that is so important that you can't take 30 minutes to nourish your body? Like, what is that about? And, and, and for how long? Like, is this your whole life? You're not going to nourish your body to achieve something that you're not going to enjoy because you're going to be dead? Like, I, I don't even understand the whole, the whole logic just breaks down. So I'd say look at the science. Like, a lot of these people, they always like to refer to numbers and measurements and data and stats. Like, okay, look at the stats on, on sleep. Just start there, and you'll get a pretty good, pretty good sense of how ridiculous this is. I've had multiple people, uh, including a couple of VCs, brag on Twitter that they never took a vacation in 20 years. Like, what the hell? Like, are you like a substance farmer from the 1800s? Like, why would you brag about such a thing? Oh, I, I live a slaving life where I have to work 20 hours a day and like, I never take vacations. And like, what are you achieving? How is that the good life? Like, who's going to look at that and say, oh, I wish I had some of that. I wish I never had any spare time. I wish I didn't have a family. I wish I had no time for friends. I wish I didn't have to have time for a meal or exercise or a hobby or anything else because of what? Because I'm building another goddamn social media app that can generate ad clicks. Like, that's the purpose of life. That's your calling. That is fucking sad. And we've been speaking a lot about tech, but we know from comments that we're seeing on LinkedIn, stories that are coming out in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, that the work week is stretching longer and longer across industries. Is this something that Silicon Valley is driving or is this getting back to more of the psychological societal changes that Jason was talking about in the beginning of the show? Well, I'll say that I think technology is at fault in a lot of cases here. Um, I think the advent of more real-time communication at work is a bad thing. I think that people are more and more distracted during the day, either having more meetings or having their day chunked up into smaller and smaller bits, always feeling like they need to follow real-time conversations all day long or a dozen of them at once. And if they don't participate, they're going to miss out on something. And so if you're doing that all day, if you're paying attention to multiple conveyor belts that are going by you, it's like your factory workers again, but we're watching data go by and conversations go by. When are you expected to actually do your work? Like you don't have time to do the work if you're following a dozen conversations that you must follow because if you don't, you're going to miss out. Your word won't be heard and then it's too late. So people are working longer hours not because there's more work to do. It's because they're not getting work done at work anymore. And primarily, I believe that's because of technology getting in the way of actually giving people uninterrupted stretches of time to get things done. Jason, you've written that when you think about a work week as, quote unquote, company time, you're turning it into something that the company owns. Can you elaborate a little bit about why that's an issue for productivity, for worker happiness? So I think 40 hours a week is enough time to get great work done if people have 40 hours to themselves. And so what we try and do at Basecamp is truly get out of people's way and everyone controls their own day. We don't have shared calendars at Basecamp. I can't see David's calendar. He can't see mine. I can't see any employee's calendars. We don't share calendars, and that's intentionally. And so once you share calendars, you can take people's time really, really easily. And once you can take people's time really easily, you no longer are in charge of your own time. Other people are in charge of your time. And this is something that you don't hear talked about enough, but it's basic things like simple shared calendars I think are bad things. They're bad things in companies. And some people might say, well, then it becomes difficult to set up a meeting. It's like, yeah, it should be difficult to set up a meeting. It should be difficult to take people's time. I like to think of 40-hour work weeks means people get 40 hours to themselves. There are no mandatory scheduled meetings at a company level at Basecamp. 
how do you deal with all the external forces that go on with work? We can have this idea of we want to have that 40 hours to be this time where we're able to focus on what we need to do. But how do you deal with a client who needs something immediately or an email or somebody that just wants your response right away? They don't understand this is how your company operates. How do you deal with that and try to create this world where you know people can be more productive if they have more time to themselves? You said healthy boundaries. I think you get what you set. So if you set the expectation that any email will be returned in five minutes, of course clients are going to expect a reply in five minutes because you set that expectation. If you set a different expectation, well, those are the rules. You are in many ways free to change the rules. We've set up this expectation that it needs to be there in five minutes. What are those things that are so important that they need to be done in five minutes? Almost nothing, right? But you can get yourself into this loop if you set up the habit and the expectation that you have to be able to respond in five minutes. The question we often pose is, people who want to think about this more carefully is, when was the last time you had four hours of uninterrupted time to yourself? Four hours. Four hours to think, four hours to write, four hours to make. When was the last time you got that? And a surprisingly few number of people can say, oh, I had that last Tuesday. A lot of them will go like, "Uh, I don't even know. They can think maybe they had half an hour to themselves or maybe at best 90 minutes. These are just not big enough chunks to make serious progress. And of course, that's how we end up with the 80 hours, right? Like we end up focusing on the quantity of hours because we somehow are blind to the quality of hours. We talk about people needing to work 80, 100 hours just to get everything done. But there's also a number of workers that we're talking to say they're having to work those hours just to make ends meet. I spoke with Michael Paterno. He's a 28-year-old truck driver who lives in Dallas. And he says that because of the current shortages in trucking, he's having to work 70 hours a week. And he just says that's taking a real toll on him. This week, I've worked 14 hours every day this week, so I really haven't seen much of my wife unless when I get home and she's just sleeping, that's the only time I see her. Because then when she wakes up to go to work, I'm sleeping another hour or two. Trucking is really good financially if you're in with a good company, but it's hard on a family and it's hard on the body. So there are a lot of people like Michael who just have to work a lot of hours to make ends meet or who are in this kind of gig economy now where they have to kind of have multiple gigs at different times throughout the week to to make a living. What should they be thinking about? What is, how should the economy be structured so that they can also have time themselves, time off to be able to rest and everything else too? Well, I think first of all, it is tragic. It's a symptom of a sick society. It's a sick society if you have to work 70, 80 hours to make ends meet. It's a sick society if you can't get to see your wife because that's the only way you can make it work. So first of all, I'd say we should just look at that and diagnose it properly. We shouldn't have all these people running around, no, no, you're actually really a hero. You're an American entrepreneur because you can do this. No, we should diagnose it properly and say this is a sickness that having to give up your family, having to give up seeing your wife, this is not a good thing. We should not be lionizing this. And of course, the funny thing is that it is. It just isn't in the U.S. There are plenty of countries around the world who have a much healthier approach to work, including much, if not most, of Western Europe. I lived in both Denmark and in Spain, and these sentiments are completely different. If you're working 80 hours a week in Denmark or in Spain, people don't look at you with admiration. They look at you with pity. They say, oh, that's so sad. Like someone has to work 80 hours a week. That's the proper human response, that to have that sort of dedication just to to make money is not seen as a valiant thing. Somehow we just got twisted up 
in the U.S. And I think it's getting worse. I think that tension that you're talking about there with this idea that it was supposed to get better. I mean, the economist John Mader Keynes predicted in the 1930s that the work week would be 15 hours, not 80 or 90. And tech is supposed to be helping us. It's letting us do things faster and with more productivity, and yet the work week is stretching. So how how do we reverse this trend? I think, unfortunately, I don't think the trend is going to change before we hit a wall. I think people are, perhaps in some ways, you look at Japan, right? They have a term for this called karoshi, which is basically death through overwork. And they've had multiple suicides and people dying of health-related issues from massive, massive overwork. People either literally dying or just realize breaking down in ways from burnout or depression or whatever else have you before we start going like, do you know what? The results that's coming out of this are just broken. Well, you two are both very outspoken on this issue. But I wonder if there are times that you regret that. I mean, are there times at Basecamp where you say something has gone down, we're going to need weekend work from people, or we're going to need people to work extra, work extra hours? There have to be those tiny moments, maybe those very rare moments, though, we need to go against what you've been saying, right? I mean, does this, don't you have that? Doesn't that, doesn't that come up every once in a while? No. Basically, the the only time it comes up is during emergency situations, like true crisis, like servers are down for a long period of time or whatever, and then we have an emergency response sort of set up where that can happen. But that should happen once or twice a year. I mean, it shouldn't happen at all. But if it happens, it's like once or twice a year. The problem is when there's a crisis every day, every weekend, there's a bug in your company, basically, if that's what happens at work. So we don't pull all-nighters. We don't work late on Friday because we said we'd have something done by Friday at 5 and then work till 11 to get it done. No, we'll just wait till Monday to do it. We don't work weekends. Customer service does. We have different shifts for that. So we have full 24-7 coverage. But no, the answer is we don't. I think on top of that, a story like Jason just told to a lot of people in the U.S. sounds like, oh, this is this weird outlier. Basecamp is this weird company that works in this weird way. You're like, dude, just look outside of the U.S., I mean, I know it's a big country, but other countries in the world exist, and there are entire societies structured around this concept that work ends naturally at five, that the weekends are time for family. And you know what? Those countries and economies are not like all sub-Saharan weird societies that are nothing like us. There are countries like Germany and Denmark and other first world countries that are doing very well, thank you very much. So you can get to this level of prosperity without doing this at all. This is a delusion that I think American companies in particular have lulled themselves into by being myopic about looking to alternative paradigms and whether those can work. The last thing I'll say about that, too, is if you stop the lying and you're just honest about what you can actually get done in a certain amount of time um, and you don't make unreasonable pro- – you actually don't make promises really – a lot of things become a lot easier, actually. You're not, you're not catching up to something you said three months ago because you made this ridiculous promise. And every time we've made a promise about something, I feel like we've regretted making that promise. Well, David and Jason, it is just hitting 5 o'clock in Chicago. I don't want this conversation to hit a wall, so I'm going to let you go. It's 3 o'clock in San Francisco, so I'm going to go talk to my boss about turning off shared calendars. But thank you so much for this conversation. It's been a great one. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. That was Jason Freed and David Heinmeier Hansen of Basecamp talking to us about how counterproductive and, yes, uncool it is to work all the time. 
Listen, Chip, I want to sign up to this world that David and Jason outlined for us, but what am I going to do? I love sleep. I love efficiency at work, but am I going to tell my manager that I'm just not available after five? That just wouldn't work for me, and it definitely wouldn't work for most workers across the country. Caroline, I think the two of us were nodding furiously throughout that interview. Yes, sign us up for 40-hour weeks. But just think about everything else that would have to change for that to happen. How do you deal with your customers? How do you deal with those situations you never planned for? Well, I spoke with Shay Hada. She's a real estate agent in Chicago. She does about $30 million in business per year. So she's really busy. I'd love to see how he works a 40-hour work week. But she says that's just not realistic. The idea of training clients to expect a delayed response, something both of the guests advocated, she says that just wouldn't work for her, and it wouldn't work for a lot of other people who really have to deal with a lot of different clients, a lot of different customers. I choose to run my business like a business and have it be a very profitable business. And so with that, you have to work hard and you have to put the hours in. Most of my clients and most everybody's clients are, you know, they work. And so they're not available most of the time, you know, nine to five typical hours. They're available nights and weekends to do showings. That's when they have questions. You know, a lot of people, especially with children, they're, you know, they get home from work. They need to be able to get their kids fed, get them to bed. And so they're not able to start to turn their attention to real estate issues until eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. So I'm regularly speaking with my clients you know, at nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, sometimes if we're in the middle of negotiating multiple offers, it's 11 o'clock or midnight. And that's, that's just what it takes to be successful in this business, in my opinion. That being said, I not only want to believe, but have to believe that we're going to get to a point where working all the time isn't a badge of honor anymore. With everyone in Silicon Valley and beyond working around the clock, and in some cases not eating frequently, we have to reach some sort of pinnacle at some point. My fear, though, is that we'll only see this turnaround if either a prominent VC or a prominent founder not only has a mental breakdown about this, but is public about it. And if we look at what's happened in other industries, oftentimes we've only seen change after a tragic incident. In Japan, for example, an employee of the country's largest advertising agency committed suicide in 2015. It was later revealed that she was only sleeping about 10 hours a week. The company was then later accused of violating labor standards, the fact that she was so overworked. And here in the U.S., we also saw this, a number of tragic cases in investment banking. That then led a number of banks to institute policies, really mandating that workers could not come into the office on Saturdays, for instance, encouraging them to really get out of the office and to have more of a life. So on that note, Chip and I are going to stop working. You can stop listening. And let's all go take a nap or at least leave the office by five today. Thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please feel free to rate and review our show on iTunes and Google Play. It really helps get the word out. Also, we'd love for you to share your thoughts on the podcast and the issues that we've discussed on LinkedIn using hashtag work in progress. You can find me on LinkedIn at Caroline Fairchild and Twitter at CFair1. And to follow Chip Cutter, follow him on LinkedIn and Twitter as well at Chip Cutter. This week's show was produced by Florencia Ariando and David Pond. We'll see you again soon.